Can I say bollocks? <laughs> I would build a great wall, and nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. Something is wrong here. Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. Charles, thank you very Dead much. Dead giveaway. I declare bankruptcy! No! No! Yes, we're back. I know, it's been a while. Look, the excuses are plenty and many, uh, but but they're all terrible. Okay, right. Uh, new year, new sponsor, Ferrari. They've given me a car to drive. Okay, so it's not quite what you might think. Uh, it is the uh, Ferrari from the 1985 set of Magnum PI. Uh, also, the engine was removed. A bit of a stumbling block, but I got it hauled to the highest hill in England, which isn't very high, but still. Put the bad boy in neutral. And let me tell you, there's nothing like the power of a Ferrari in neutral going downhill. Incredible. Yeah, zero to 60 in, yeah, just over 60 seconds, actually. Not, not too bad. Oh, did I tell you? Yeah, they've also sent me a free fake mustache to honor Tom Selleck. So that was that was pretty cool. Wife's not a fan. Son loves it. Uh, she tried to eat it, which isn't great. But uh, that's another story. Today's episode, as always, is a real gem. Man from Down Under. No, it's not Crocodile Dundee, but yes, I would love to have him on the show if, he, if he's willing. Um, even better than Crocodile Dundee, it's David Andrew, and he's a musician, he's a producer, just an all-around amazing guy. So, as I was saying before I rudely interrupted myself, David Andrew is the guest. For those of you who don't know... He's an amazing, yeah, amazing producer. He's worked with Gang of Youths. He's an Ableton endorsed artist now. Um, just an all around amazing guy. Uh, he's done a lot of keys, keys stuff for Hillsong. Uh, he really knows what he's doing with everything music wise. This guy knows all the notes. There's not a note this guy does not know. Okay, so one more small tangent before I get going. I've just got back from Uganda. I was there just for a few days, literally just the weekend. Um, I wish I could have stayed longer, but I couldn't. Any of you who have heard of uh, Watoto, Children's Choir, not the band. I, I mean, I suppose if you've heard of the band, that's valid as well. But in this situation, I'm referring to the Children's Choir. Uh, they've also got, I think, sort of three villages, three villages in Uganda where they take kids who've come from really tough situations and really just um, give them a chance to um, really turn their lives around. And it's just incredible. Um, I went there. They've, they've started their own music academy, which is really inspiring. Um, they, do have some, they do have some resources already, some things that are in place, which are great. Uh, but I came back feeling really inspired to see if there's anything else I can do 
like they're electric guitar players I don't have any pedals and I know that seems like a first world problem and it is but when you see how good these guys are how what they've done with the little resources they have you just want to see what you can do to help out so I'm reaching out to a bunch of friends and family just to say hey if anybody has an old guitar pedal any old music gadgets that you're not using anymore these guys can probably use them um, if they can't use them let's just say it's like the uh, death metal distortion pedal okay possibly not as usable but still what they can do is they can sell it on over there pedals are pretty hard to get in uganda so anyways that's what i'm doing and if you're not you know not a guitar player you don't have those pedals kicking around um even if you have like an old smartphone uh apple anything made by apple is uh, usually quite valuable over there so i'm going to be sending my old iphone 6s plus which my son has been using just to sort of really uh, throw things at smash me on the head with and so on uh, but i'm going to be sending that so they can actually sell that on uh, and then put the money towards whatever they um, whatever they need really so if you have an old smartphone any sort of old technology any iPods any old iPads which are have just becomes kind of unusable to you let me tell you these would be very helpful to these people so if this like um, if this sort of touches anything in your heart at all um, then please let me know. You can email me, Mr. Kevin Swartwood at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook. A lot of you guys are my friends on Facebook. Anyways, you can message me there if you want to send a pedal, if you want to send some old technology over that these guys can sort of sell and then get some more great gear. I'm going to be posting a, a video soon of these guys and they uh, sang and played for us in the sort of middle of the Ugandan, well, I was gonna say the jungle, it wasn't the jungle, but in the middle of the village and it was just amazing, absolutely amazing. Okay, sorry for the rant, I am back. And uh, as the Flight of the Concords say, it's business time. Today's guest, David Andrew, the one and only. Um, I saw a video a little while ago that David posted on YouTube called the Berlin Sessions. It's David, uh, playing an upright piano uh, with Ableton, Sub 37, and lots of cool effects. And it just sounded amazing. I thought the video looked amazing. So I wanted to reach out to him to see if he'd be on the show. Uh, and he said yes, amazingly. So thanks so much, David. And I just wondered if you could tell me just sort of how that video all came together. Yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think credit where credit's due. Uh, I was really inspired by a guy called Chad Lawson, um, who is a, a pianist, a, a Steinway-sponsored artist. Um, and he came out with a, a new record um, called Re-Piano, R-E uh, semicolon piano. And um, he's, he's kind of taken apart this idea of like, how, how do we now communicate with the piano, how do we now use the piano in a way when we've got all of these new emerging technologies at our fingertips. And um, in one of the promo videos, you see him uh, with like a, 
and like an iPad controlling an Ableton kind of setup. And so he's uh, kind of firing off loops and then he's onto different tracks. And uh, I, I kind of shot him a message of like, hey, man, how did you, how did you achieve this? And uh, I received the appropriate radio silence of like, dude, f figure it out yourself. <laughs> so, um, no, we, we're, I mean, yeah, we've been, we've been, you know, texting and stuff after that, but it was just like this, like, oh, I actually need to figure out how to do that. And so I kind of pieced together this, I mean, I would call it pretty rudimentary the way that I've done it, but um, tried to do a, a project of my own that was loop, looping off a grand piano and treating it with different effects and kind of having this palette, having this uh, blank canvas that you can kind of step onto, which could be a really great performance uh, piece, really great performance playground if you, if you kind of get used to it enough. Right. And if my memory is correct, you had the sub 37, right? Yeah. 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 I had a, I had a sub 37, um, being routed through Ableton. I had, um, I had a vocoder as well. So ran some vocal stuff through that. And then I think that was probably about it. I had like the bass coming from the sub 37 and then also like a plucky kind of a lead like really ambient, subtle lead kind of a thing coming from there as well. So yeah, it was a it was a production. It was a whole thing. <laughs> it sounded great. It looked great. You know, just the whole way, the whole vibe of the video was really well done. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have I had pretty cool friends. <laughs> There's a, a guy called Jonathan Zergo who's from. Germany that I worked in a film with in Berlin and also a guy also a guy sorry and also um, a lovely friend of mine called Lara Tenhorn who teaches vocals and is a vocal coach and just crushes it here in Sydney Was the video shot in Sydney or somewhere else in Australia? Yeah, it was shot in um, It was shot in a school in the Hills District in Sydney. So they had a, a grand piano on a stage. And so we had this during the school holidays. So I'm like, we should do something about this. So went in and mic'd it up and figured it out. We, we kind of didn't really have too much of a, an idea of what we were doing. It was fun. I'm just one of those proponents of like, let's just do it and then we'll figure it out and then we'll know next time what we need to do. And so, yeah, that video was, was kind of us getting a uh, half a day with a grand piano and some mics and some cameras and some lights and going, I think we could maybe do this. We could maybe try this. Um, yeah. And then consequently also going back to uh, re edit because the performance was probably like 15 minutes long and then going back and re editing down to just make it seem like it had some sense of drama rather than it was me trying to figure it out for way too long. <laughs> Can you remember how you mic'd up that piano? You know, what mics you used? And then how did you get the audio to Ableton? Yeah, sure. Um, so I ran everything through the Apollo, the Apollo 8P, 
<clears throat> which um, which I got secondhand for an absolute steal. Um, and then uh, I it was a a pair of there's this Chinese company called Three um, U, which does these um, U forty seven clones. Um, yeah, so I had a couple of those that I used to mic up the piano, and then just um, just played around with. Sorry, what? Yeah, straight in, straight into Ableton. So using, um, oh, what did I do? I think it might have been the um, the Neve emulation inside of the Apollo stuff. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love that, the Apollo machine. I love the um, Universal Audio. Their plugins, they're like, you, just, you can't beat them anywhere else and they know it and they're expensive and they're amazing but you can't beat them and um so that was kind of like my my way of sending them through some channel strips it sounded like you had some really cool effects on the piano not sure if those were sound toys or uad or what but it sounded great can you just tell us a bit about those yeah <clears throat> yeah no it's it's exactly that it's um I'm just pulling up the session now. I think I've got um, – so the first one was uh, like Echo Boy. So we've got Echo Boy and then uh, a really treated, really um, low-cut EQ with reverb on it. Um, and then Crystallizer was the basis of – that sound, you know, uh, Crystallizer by um, Sound Toys. Yes, love that plug. Yeah, it's a really um, reversey, weird, interesting sounding, um, modulating delay kind of a thing. And so it just wasn't straight delay notes coming back at me. It was this really affected, really warped out kind of a sound, which I thought was kind of perfect when it came to a, an acoustic piano because trying to get an acoustic piano pairing it with a normal delay is cool but it kind of feels a little unnatural if you're kind of playing it at, a, at an acoustic piano whereas having this uh, a little more organic a little less straightforward kind of audio artifacty delay coming back at you it just felt right it felt like an extension of the piano more than just like a just a straight delay would be. Yeah, it was a really cool sound, something really quite different, because usually you hear a piano sound, and they all sound quite similar. But the sounds that you got putting the effects on it were really interesting and really well done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't ask um, Chad what his... Um, what his what effects he used, but I assume it's probably got to be something like the crystallizer, which is a bit more, yeah, a, a little more interesting, a little less confronting than just delay. When you were playing, did you have any trouble with latency at all? How did you deal with that? Um, 
Yeah, not within. Sorry, I need a, a drink. Not within the. Um, yeah, it's all good. Uh, yeah, not within uh, the environment that I was working in because I was kind of. Um, yeah, no, uh, I kind of ran everything pretty. Yeah, no, I, I kind of ran everything uh, back as I can in, re in regards to like a within the operating system, shutting everything off that I possibly could. Um, and then the Apollo is such a great interface, so you can kind of get um, a, like an almost zero latency direct response from the within the Apollo interface. So if you've got, if you're getting the microphones straight from the Apollo, um, which I did, I was getting the affected, but also the non-affected audio as well. Um, there's pretty much the issue there for my timing. So yeah, that, that worked out really, really well. So I'm assuming that this was done to a click. Did you have the click running in your ears or were you just looping? Yeah. Well, no, the, the nature of, um, the nature of, having delays and having that kind of stuff meant that uh, I absolutely needed to have a click. Otherwise, that ship was going to go off track very, very quickly. Yeah, there's this nice part where you bring in a drum loop as well. Yeah, 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 this glitchy drum thing that I've got going on. Yeah, I kind of drew a little bit from, I don't know, there's, there's a guy from London called John Hopkins, uh, who I've been a fan of for a long, long time, and he describes himself as a synthesis um, he's been on, he like the, uh, what's the, uh, Coldplay album? The, uh, the death and all. Yeah. Viva friends La Vida. One? The, the Viva La Vida one. Yeah. So they, they start off that album, um, with a track that was composed by John Hopkins. And then, uh, Chris Martin comes along and adds vocals and stuff to the top of it. But, um, it's this lush electronic, but really really human, really like, I don't know, just kind of film scorey uh, electronic piece that, that he wrote. So I kind of fell in love with his music for a long, long time and his glitchy kind of drum beat. Um, that style has kind of influenced me for a long, long time. And so kind of bringing that into this piece as well, he was kind of part of my creative consciousness and it's no surprise that kind of pops up in this project as well. So there's this one part where I see you like tweaking knobs on the sub 37. And I was just curious if those were just affecting the sub 37, like the filter cutoff, or if you had them somehow assigned to anything else. Can you remember what you were doing there? Yeah, that one was uh, purely inside of the sub 37 uh, was the cutoff filter. Um, it has such as like a stunning, um, frequency, uh, the, the cutoff filter there is just is so warm and round and responsive. And so like I have a, in a, actually a lot of the productions that I've done, um, I've produced some, some artists here in Sydney and, uh, I always keep coming back to that. There's like one patch on the, on the sub 37. I love it's like a duo organ patch. So, um, the sub has the ability to do, uh, duophonic, uh, uh, it's not polyphonic, it's duophonic. So there's two, it splits the, 
the two oscillators, so one can do one note and one can do another note. And so you've kind of got this mono keyboard doing um, some poly stuff and then messing around with the cutoff filter is like a feature of like every time that I play that cycle, I'll put it on some production. And it just has this warm kind of um, almost like Banks, like the artist Banks, this kind of just 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 uh, pr really present kind of sweeps that you can do with that cutoff filter. So yeah, I, I kind of play around with that a bit. So when I play with Martin Live, we use a Sub 37 as well. And that thing just sounds great. And it just like somehow just slams you in the chest. I guess it's kind of like analog gear. That's just what it does. You can just somehow feel it. The low end has just real weight to it which is just incredible to me nothing feels better than a low c <laughs> it's so funny i just released a um a track uh, uh on uh a web platform called triple j on earth it's like a local radio station for like unsigned music and that kind of stuff um but in i was doing that making that project and um was living in like digital instrument land, digital soft synth land. And then I got the sub 37 and started to add it to the project. And it would just take away like a single mono track would take away like 10 digital stereo tracks that I've done. Like, oh, I don't need, I don't need any of this anymore. I've got, I've got <laughs> all the frequencies that I need were in this one mono keyboard. Yeah, I know what you're saying, you know, kind of back to before about using main stage. Like I often have patches that have like four, five, six channel strips in it to get this sound that I think equals, you know, a nice big fat sound. And then I'll play like an analog keyboard and it's just like one patch. Yeah. It just sounds great. And it's like it doesn't need anything else. The low end's there. It's wicked. Have you played with the uh, with the Moog One yet? No, I haven't. I think it's kind of like test driving a Ferrari. I just never do it because I can't afford it. It's a trap, man. <laughs> I'd be jealous. Don't do it. It's a trap. Have you tried one yourself? I played it at a. a oh my gosh! Yeah, I was at a at the Melbourne Synth Festival, um, just presenting for Yamaha, and they had one of those in one of the stands. It, bro, don't do it, man. I brought it back to its like. Simplest just went back to the to the um, to the oscillators and and it it ruins you. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. How much would they be in Australian dollars? Are they like five grand or so? Twelve grand. Youch. Twelve grand. It's a trap, man. It's not good. Yeah. Although. But but Moog, man, they're just they're they've they've killed the game. It's insane. It's such a great. Great keyboard, and they've been putting out great keyboards for so long. The Sub 37 is just like the best thing that they've done in, in 30 years. And I, you know, I think if you're a keyboardist, you should at least get start getting like a, an analog synth somewhere because you will quickly figure out why guitarists like to play tube amps rather than solid state. You know, like a lot of people, I started out just with the software software side of things. And I had never tried, um, never tried the analog, yeah. the real deal. So, um, but it is really nice, you know, being able to try the real deal. Oh, getting, yeah. 
getting to getting to feel you know the the sliders in your hands you know seeing seeing the filter the adsr yeah 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 well i mean the beauty of i love the sub 37 because it teaches you synthesis everything is there on the front panel like everything that you really need to learn how to create a sound from scratch is there and you need to learn how to create a sound from scratch because this is our bread and butter we can't live in preset land um, like I have done for far too many years. Um, because, you know, being a church keyboard player, you, you know, you don't need, you don't need to know that stuff. You just need like a, a piano or Rhodes and, and a pad and maybe an organ and you're fine. Um, <laughs> which hurts to say, but it's true. Um, but learning the, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> uh, but, yeah, but learning the basis of sound design, learning how to create sounds from scratch, um, and with a tool like the Sub 37 where everything is tactile for you, it's such a great learning experience. It was really invaluable for me, and I am grateful, super grateful that um, the team at Moog uh, let me have that keyboard. So thank you, Moog. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah. I just have, I've got a few Ableton questions for you, if that's okay. I like to ask sure. Each, sure, sure. Each, each of my guests um, to try and give some advice on Ableton to beginners, people who are just getting started out and, you know, it probably feels a little bit scary to them, this whole Ableton thing. So I wondered if you had any advice. <laughs> on you know how how to get started what what to look for yep what was helpful for you and yeah just what what you might want to pass on yeah i um to be honest man i was a snob for so long uh because i've come out of i my very first platform was cubase and then i moved over to getting a mac and then got into logic and um, got into uh, main stage from there, and everything is like so well designed and so beautiful and really well set out. Uh, I love the visual aspect of the main stage, and so um, having you know have map showing the showing the controller that I have. I've got like a DJ Tech Tools MIDI Fighter Twister which is like four by four bank of knobs that are also kind of buttons as well. And um, that's my visual layout on my main stage uh, template. And so I can see what I'm doing. I see where I've mapped everything to. And um, that's the basis of my playing. And so that was, I was kind of lived in that place and then it was real snobbish. We got Ableton because we started doing tracks in church Um and I was like, what is, this is so weird. It's, it's so, you know, I was a bit snobbish about the design. This is, you know, this is, isn't designed well, which is so dumb looking back at it now, but it was just so not what I was used to and so confronting. And it was really scary to me. Um, so I'd pushed it off for so long going, no, nah, I don't need to, I don't need to get my head into this. And then starting to see the potential with how it runs tracks and then starting to see the potential with, um, what a live instrument it can be. So, and then starting to see the potential with, um, as a writer and as a producer, being able to create arrangements on the fly. So the session view, when you're 
let's let's have a drum beat. All right, let's add some a bass line to it. Let's add. And so creating a, a bass that you can write it off very, very quickly in real time without any interruptions, uh, it, you kind of quickly go, oh, they've actually kind of figured it out. It's, they're not, yeah, as much as I kind of wanted to not like it, I actually really, really like it. Um, so I, I think the thing, you know, primarily is, is it's a different system. So learn how to do the different system. Don't just... Uh, don't just get annoyed at it because it's different, or my, or even better, don't just um, don't just hate on it because it's not what you're used to. And musicians live and thrive within their own ego, and if they can't be shown to be masters at something, they don't want anyone to know that they're doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah, I, I don't. You know, we kind of get too arrogant to learn new things because we. We're, we're really good over here and people know that we're really good over here that the ego doesn't like you to learn new things because you have the potential to look like a novice. And, um, you know, it's something that we've all got to learn to bench and all got to learn to uh, come to grips with our own ego and how that holds us back from being, you know, better creatives than we are currently. Um, yeah, so, so learn how to do it. And then the, there's... Man, kids are learning stuff on YouTube that you would have to pay so much money for earlier. And um, Oh, yeah. There's now like the equivalent of a university degree that you can get on YouTube, and it's just yeah, there. It's all just, free. Just sitting there. Uh, yeah, you just like and subscribe. Um, so there's, there's all this access to information that um, you just got to get a hold of, and you just got to uh, – dive into it. It's, it's all there for you. Um, and I love the, I love jumping on tutorials on you still just jumping on tutorials on YouTube and, um, l listening to how to make this sort of this track or how to make, how to mess with, um, timing of like hi-hats and how to create like septuplet swing is what I was looking at like yesterday. Um, and there's just so much there that you can kind of put into action with this, piece of you know metal with a screen and, and a keyboard that you can open up in any cafe that you want to um we we do we live in such a a, a a period of history with like such unlimited access to tools that will um help guide you and make you money and and teach you and it's all there we've just got to you know open up our eyes and engage a little bit more than we do yeah, for sure. Um, another question I wanted to ask is, uh, what's one of your favorite third-party plugins, and what's one of your favorite stock Ableton plugins? Oh, oh, I think um, my f oh, my favorite third-party. That's a tough one, bro, because there's so <laughs> there's so many. Um, I. I love um, I think maybe the um, the Uno the the Juno emulation by Tal. Yes, you've done a number of patches is, is, um, on multitracks for them, right? Yeah, I've got some patches up on multitracks.com of um, uh, some of my favorite sounds that I've created using that keyboard, that uh, that that third-party plugin that um. 
yeah, Juno emulation. I it's such a great sound, and it's such a sound of um, you know of the eighties, but it's also so it's coming back with a vengeance in so much of today's music. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and what's great about it is that you kind of know your way around that software instrument, and then when you get presented with an actual Juno, um, like some sessions that I've done, you know what you're doing. You know how to you know how to create sounds from that keyboard. You don't look like a novice. Uh, you know, it's just always great for the ego. So, <laughs> um, no, I, I I mean I love. I, there's so many to talk about. There's that. There's the sound toy stuff, which is amazing. There's the Archeria stuff, which is properly wild. And um, like the CS80 and the Archeria is stupid. Um, but yeah, that's probably that's probably my favorite one at the moment. And then uh, the stop inside of Ableton. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the LFO. Okay. Nice choice. That's not one that people usually choose. I'm going to go for LFO because the ability to um, kind of put that onto the top of any other plugin, and then it's a Max for Live plugin, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ability to then have that um, modulate and mess with any of the other parameters of what you've got going before it um it it just really opens up the ability to find new sounds and find new ways of expression um that no one else has done before uh i I watched a a a tutorial last night at at like 2 a.m i'm sure on uh how to use the echo plugin which is new in uh ableton 10 Sweet. Uh, to just use the noise, um, the the noise sound source. So you turn off the echo, you turn off everything, you turn the noise on, and then you use the just that noise and an LFO to create like kick patterns and drum loops and stuff like that. So I think that's like this little powerhouse tool that um, you can apply on all of your you know, all of your channels, all of your tracks to kind of give it a bit more life. Yeah, man, that's very cool. Well, listen, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You've been extremely gracious to me and so appreciate it. But I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of plug anything you got going on, everything you got going on in your crazy life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, oh man, I've got too much going on. That's the that's the problem. Um, okay, so if you jump on a Spotify and Google that name, David Andrew, there's um, a couple of things on there that I'm really really proud of. We just did a Christmas. I just did a Christmas album, which was like sad boy versions of like "All I Want for Christmas Is You" by Mariah Carey and stuff like that. Um, but I've also got two albums on there. There's an album called Sleep Project and an album called The Kitchen Tapes, which um, are really spaces that I am very proud of that you're meant to kind of live in. And so in the chaos of this world, which is mental and insane, having music do um, what only music can do and speak to your soul and, and calm you down and bring you to a place of rest, uh, those are records that I made 
purely from that space of wanting to bring an answer to how do we deal with the chaos of the world. Um, so there's a couple of things on Spotify. Um, I also run a, a podcast with a friend of mine, Jared McKenna from Perth, Australia, um, which is called Inverse Podcast, which is all about how the Bible turns our worlds upside down. And we chat with um, theists and atheists and art artists and politicians and uh, scholars. So we've got an episode with Walter Brueggemann coming out. We've had Richard Rohr on the podcast. Some big hitters in uh, that world. And then um, I think that's about it. Sure, there's plenty more, but that's what's worth noticing at the moment. <laughs> of course. Yeah, if you want to give me a follow on um, Instagram at David J. Andrew or, um, yeah, I'm, I'm David, David J. Andrew or David Andrew on Facebook and Twitter, David J. Andrew. It's, Twitter's mostly used for me smack-talking um, 45, but that's neither here nor there. Right. And you're also on multi-tracks. So if anybody wants to go there and see the patches that you've done, they can go there, multitracks.com. Okay, David, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And looking forward to staying in touch in the future. Have a good one. Yeah, no, lovely. It was, a, it was an absolute pleasure to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, David. And thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. I truly am humbled and honored that you would take time to listen to me. So thank you very much. Hoping this year, 2019, we can uh, smash out a few more episodes and a bit more, uh, a bit more regularly. That's the word. Um, so thank you guys so much. If you want to email me, my email is Mr. Kevin Swartwood. That's M R K U E E. No, that M R. K-E-V-I-N-S-W-A-R-T wood at gmail.com. I know that's a real mouthful. It's not smart wood. Everybody thinks the W is flipped upside down, but it's actually Swartwood. S-W-A-R-T-W-O-O-D. Story of my life, man. I've had to say that to so many people. Anyways, now we're, we're, we're truly, truly rambling, flying off the rails. Um, but listen, yeah, if you want anything... Uh, Send me an email. You're probably most of you are friends with me on Facebook. Uh, so if you haven't deleted me as a friend, you can message me there. That's a great way. And again, yeah, if anybody wants to do anything uh, regarding these amazing kids in Uganda, uh, send me a message. And I'm hoping to be able to send over a little care package. And I'll be posting a video pretty soon of these kids sort of singing and playing. And again, yeah, they're just, just amazing. If you can just remember when you were like a teenager playing your first band, whether it was like a youth band or, or what, uh, most of us were not very good. But these kids are amazing. And, you know, they don't have near as much stuff at their fingertips as we do. But, um, yeah, so if you want to help out with that, that would be amazing. So thanks, guys. We'll speak to you soon. And have a good one. Oh, uh, one more thing. Yeah, so I do have some people ask me, um, do you actually have any lawsuits, any cease and desist? Um, no, no, we don't. But listen, if we did, I've got Alicia Floric 
from The Good Wife. I've got Bob Blah Blah from Arrested Development. And uh, in negotiations right now, don't want to um, jinx it, but Judge Judy to possibly come on board as an advisor to Ableton Cast. I mean, so far she's just advised that I just stop, but um, hoping she'll change her mind.